Breaking news to tell you about at this moment, Donald Trump not necessarily winning himself any friends in the courtroom in New York City. Word just out that he dressed down the judge in that civil case where they're looking to charge him, what, $370 million in fines now? We're going to get all into this. Welcome. Welcome back to the program, everyone. I am Trish Regan. This is a live edition of the show. We are brought to you as always, in part by LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. If you're worried about inflation, if you're interested in investing in gold, give them a ring. Oh boy, Donald Trump apparently not holding back in the courtroom today. Apparently, he let the judge have it. Like, just let that judge have it from here to Sunday. And I'm not surprised because I'm going to play the tape when he went into the courtroom earlier today, he was seething mad. He said it was a witch hunt and that this was election interference, this, that, and the other. We'll play that sound for you. I also want to play some of the sound of Donald Trump when he came out of the courtroom because he sounded different. He sounded different, but we have the New York Times headline because New York Times they put this up. I mean, everybody's covering this right now. As Trump rebukes judge in court. Judge tells his lawyers, control your client. Good luck with that one. <laughs> control Donald Trump. Uh, not easy. Not easy to do. So according to this story, we have a couple quotes here. He was pretty fiery. He was pretty fiery. He went into that courtroom and he said, apparently, that Letitia James who incidentally, whether you like it or not, she did campaign. I've showed you the tape many times. She campaigned on getting Trump. He said, Letitia James, she hates me. Quote, hates Trump and uses Trump to get elected. He also took aim, says the New York Times, at Arthur and Gordon, remarking, quote, you have your own agenda. I certainly understand that. He added, as apparently the judge stared stoningly at him, Quote, you can't listen for more than one minute. <laughs> so the judge instructed the former president of the United States, his lawyer, to, quote, control your client. Like that's happening. But apparently, Trump just kept going and going and going. And he's like, after this judge, and he continued to do so until suddenly they decided to take a lunch break. So um, there, there's been a lot of restrictions placed on Trump, a lot of objections. Donald Trump originally wanted to get up there. I told this to you yesterday. He wanted to present sort of his side of things in the final remarks, and the judge wouldn't let him because there were all these rules and regulations. Okay, you can only do this. You can only do that. And so then finally, apparently they worked something out where Donald Trump was going to be able to say his piece but he was going to have to do so with lots of restrictions, including, as the New York Times reported, no going after Letitia, no going after the judge. And so he got up there and he said, look, you know, I did nothing wrong. He argued that the attorney general should be paying him for what he's had to go through. And uh, he, he also then took a, a couple sort of shots at Letitia James and <laughs> the judge. I think we have some of those quotes as well. But better yet, let's listen to Donald Trump right before he went into this, con into the, I was going to say, into the control room. Yeah, they're trying to control you. Into the courtroom. So he goes into the courtroom, and right before he's there, he speaks to the press. They didn't actually have any microphones, so you have to listen really hard. But trust me, you're going to get the gist of it. 
he's furious. He's furious. He has to be there. I get it, right? Like the whole thing is just, it's getting to the point where it's like enough already. Enough already. It is so political. It is so disgusting. It was originally $250 million that they wanted to charge him. Now it's $370 million. Well, he's had it and he sounded off. And I have a feeling that the judge got a little taste of this, shall we say, in the actual courtroom. Let's roll the tape. Donald Trump. Which I... It's election interference at the highest level. It's a disgrace. It's in coordination with the White House and Joe Biden because he can't win a campaign fairly. And uh, we're going through it, but it is indeed a terrible witch hunt. We're going to have a news conference a little bit later on. As you know, I want to speak. I want to make this donation. At this moment, the judge is not letting me make the donation because I'll bring up things that he doesn't want to hear. And uh, it's a very unfair trial. Nobody's seen anything like this. I don't think they've ever seen anything like this. We have a situation where a statute was used that doesn't give me a jury, so I have no jury. I really have no rights, and it's uh, and nobody nobody thinks it's constitutional. People, legal scholars are writing about it like it's something they've never seen before. So it's uh, interference. It's political interference. Um, and it's something that shouldn't be allowed. So I am uh, hoping to speak and to help my lawyers reveal all of the defects of this case, which should have never been brought. Very, very strong financial statements. They thought it was the opposite. They had no idea because I'm a private company. Then they saw them knock their socks off. They couldn't believe it. But great financial statements. Uh, everything is good. We have, we have a level of detail in our defense that nobody's ever had. This is a case that should have never been brought, and it was brought. And it's very unfair, and it's very bad for New York State. Companies are fleeing, people are fleeing, the streets are crime-ridden, and Letitia James, that's all, all she thinks about is get drunk. She's been dreaming about it for years, and it's, you know, it's not the way a, a state should be run. Because this so you, you can see he was fired up. And when he's fired up, Good luck to the lawyers trying to control their client. So I, I suspect that the judge got a little taste of that. But what was interesting about it is after the control your client thing, it actually didn't stop him. He continued to move forward with a lot of the same comments that you just heard as he was going into the courthouse. But then he came out of the, he suddenly abruptly stopped and he came out of the courthouse and he was quite, you know, he has the ability to do this, right? Quite controlled, quite deliberate that it went well and um, kind of backed off. Interestingly, really, really backed off. Let's play this clip. Here he is just moments ago, folks, and sounding a, a little more, a little more, you know, pleased about the whole thing. I, I can't imagine he is, but let's listen. I don't know if you can hear me because they don't allow mics, but this is a political witch hunt, the likes of which nobody's ever seen before. They owe me damages for what they've done. We have a great company. We're a very interesting take that back. company. We did everything right. They have no witness against us other than Michael Cohen. He's pretty mad. Felon. They have no witnesses against us whatsoever. They don't have one piece of paper. What we've run is a great company, and that's been proven. Very highly successful company. This was a political witch hunt for election interference, but also for getting somebody elected because you wanted to get the publicity. It's a disgrace, and they should pay me damages. That's the way it should be. They should be paying me damages. 
This is a disgraceful situation. This is why businesses are fleeing New York like Exxon. Millions and millions of dollars a year in taxes, and I paid millions and millions of dollars a year. We paid approximately $300 million over a fairly short period of time, and they don't want me to pay it anymore. This is a very serious problem because companies are fleeing New York. They ought to focus on the crime, violent crime in the city, one of the reasons they're fleeing. The other reason they flee is because of attorney generals like this that just want to get elected. Thank you very much. It's been a very successful trial. I don't know that we're going to get a fair, a fair ruling. But everybody knows, everybody knows what I just said. This is a sham, and it's a shame. Thank you. Are you talking today? Okay. I, I, I clearly was listening to something rather different because he was just as angry, actually more angry, if you ask me, in that little clip as he was walking out of that courthouse. And you know what? He's tapping into something that I think Americans can relate to, right? Like, what do you do? What do you do when the feds come after you? It's kind of game over, right? Like, when they, when they descend on you, if they haven't found anything massive by now, like, what are they going to find? I mean, can you imagine, I've said this before, if it was, I don't know, Don Jr. that had the laptop that Hunter Biden had? I mean, can you even imagine? It would be a completely different scenario. And so he, he hasn't gotten, like, in major trouble over any of these things, and it's not for lack of trying, right? It's totally not for lack of trying. They so clearly want to go after him. They so clearly want to get him however they can. And by now, like you'd think they'd have gotten him if there was something to really get him on. And so I think he's making a point that, unfortunately, for those that do not want to see Donald Trump back in the office, the Oval Office, he's making a point that politically has a lot of appeal with everyday Americans, including independents. And I've said this all along, the more they go after him, the more people are like, whoa, like you guys are just kind of pushing it too far. And in this particular one, in this particular one, basically we're looking at a case, it's a civil case, they could put him out of business in New York City and really kind of bankrupt him. Is is that the idea? I mean, you, you bankrupt Giuliani, you bankrupt... Donald Trump, you bankrupt anybody that you are really concerned could be a threat to you. This is what people worry about. And he talks about small business owners, business owners, big business owners, right? If you're in the state of New York and they don't like you, are you at risk? I think you are, right? Like, I think everybody's at risk and hopefully you do everything the right way. But gosh darn it, you know, if they can get something, then they've got the ball and they can run with it. And in the case of Letitia James, I, I've played you the sound at nausea. I'm like, we'll, we'll do it again. I'm, I'm sure at some point, because this is not going away. And he's making the point as this thing winds down, that they've really targeted him. They so deliberately targeted him. And I actually find this case, I mean, I find them all pretty wild and insane. But this one is perhaps um, in the running for first prize, right? Like, this is the craziest of all, because, and I say this as a business journalist, I'm looking at this going, okay, so who, who lost money? Like, where, where was the actual problem? Just to back up for a second, the accusation here is that he fraudulently reported on some of his properties, inflating the value on some of his properties in order to secure a loan from Deutsche Bank. And he could obviously access more capital 
if he had more collateral. It's kind of like, you know, you go out and you get a, a loan, a home equity loan on your house. And you say, well, I think my house is worth this. Well, the bank has to confirm that your house is worth that. And it, the onus is kind of on the bank. I mean, this was part of the problem, right? Remember back with all those no income, no asset loans that nearly took down the entire system? Barney Frank, we have to thank for that, right? A few others as well. But the banks were lending very indiscriminately. And that was a huge problem. So technically, I mean, if you really wanted to get into it, maybe the bank should have done a little more due diligence and actually sent someone out to measure the square footage at Mar-a-Lago or the square footage at his apartment. But it's a little bit the bank's fault. And in this case, Donald Trump was not a credit risk like the no-income, no-asset loans, and therefore he paid all of his debts back with interest. So everybody did fine. Clearly the bank was like not worried about it, and he did have a little asterisk there. It's sort of like signing your own risk, lend me this money at your own risk. You have to double-check everything yourself. So Letitia James is saying, well, you shouldn't have lied on this stuff. And okay, but like is it really worth $370 million and kicking the guy out of New York forever? I mean, this is banana republic stuff. I've said it before. It reminds me so much of Venezuela. I'm not kidding. This is weird, like weird. And Donald Trump knows how weird it is. I think he's most angry about this particular case more than anything else, more than anything else. And so he really couldn't contain himself. He just unloaded on the judge unloaded on Letitia James, said she just wants to get Trump. She's always wanted to get Trump. This is her political career. He's not wrong. It is her political career. And what a sad state we're in, America, when politicians get elected based on who they can catch, who they can capture. And they're funded off of that. When people are asking her, like, why should we vote for Letitia James? She said, vote for me because I'm the one who's going to get Trump. We have tape of that. I have showed you that. It's, it's pretty darn remarkable. And so this plays in. Frankly, he's angry. He's passionate. He's emotional about it. But it plays into the fear that everyday Americans have right now about the government getting so big and so bloated and is just breathing down everybody's back and watching everything you do, the big brother on steroids thing. And it... It squares with what people worry about. So I get it. Joe Biden's trying to play to fear. Oh, Donald Trump's going to ruin democracy. Donald Trump is going to put you in. He hasn't said this one yet. This, this was for Mitt Romney. Remember when, when Biden actually said that Mitt Romney was going to put African-Americans back in chains? I mean, this is Mitt Romney, right? Like, who's now like their superhero on the left. Like, this is their M.O. This is just where they go. And now they get a guy in Donald Trump that's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to stand for it. And I'm going to call you out. And he's doing that. And they're freaking out. Why? Because, oh, new numbers show that he's down 20 points with black Americans right now. And he's just cratering with younger Americans. Because it doesn't matter what color skin you have. You go to fill up your gas tank. And it costs more. And we've got the latest read on inflation today, which I'm going to get to. We're, we're paying more for everything. And they're like, oh, it's coming down. You know, it's not as bad as it was. It's not nearly 10%. It's just 3.4%. I'm sorry. Guys, don't forget that it was up nearly 10%. And now it's up 3.4% over what it was before. So, like, this is cumulative, cumulative stuff. <laughs> 
And so everyday Americans are like, yeah, I, I don't think this is working for me. And so consequently, for 10 weeks straight, Donald Trump has trumped Biden, no pun intended, well, maybe sort of, in the polls. And that is causing the White House to utterly, totally, completely panic, right? <laughs> they are panicked. And so you have the establishment now, and, and by the way, I talk about establishment, and Republicans too, right? Like this the elites that sort of could handpick their candidate and say, okay, it's going to be you. And you got to go along to get along and you got to play by the rules. And our rules are X, Y, and Z. And so we expect this, we expect that. And, you know, we, we all play the game together. And then you get these outsiders like Donald Trump who come in there and they're not playing by the rules. And that really worries a lot of people, frankly, on both sides. The establishment is freaking out. And so they're betting right now on Nikki Haley. I want to go to what happened there last night because Nikki Haley, you know, she's, she's duking it out. Like it's, it really is a three ring circus. I mean, she's duking it out on CNN with Ron DeSantis. And Ron DeSantis, who is running to the right of Trump, is trying to paint her as a total liberal, total establishment person. And, you know, like, there's a set of facts that actually, in some ways, suggest that she's more left at times than she is right. And so, consequently, he can kind of go for the jugular. A lot of people are like, oh, he won, he won, he won. What did he win? He didn't win anything. He didn't win anything. Like, neither of them should have been up there fighting with each other to begin with, because guess who really won? Donald Trump. He was on Fox. Fox won too in that one, right? They were like desperate. Right? Oh my gosh, CNN has a debate. How can we beat that? Well, just get Donald Trump up there. That'll be a ratings win. So he went into a very hosp you know, hospitable environment and it was you know, all peaches and cream. And I'm going to show you some sound from that. Meanwhile, Nikki, Nikki and uh, Ron are, are going at it. But here's a question for you. If the big money establishment wants somebody other than Trump, and I'm talking about conservatives right now, did they allow Ron DeSantis to stay in the race? I mean, I think this is part of the reason why Christie had to get out. It's like, okay, Christie, you're only getting this much percent, but let's find a way to give that percentage to Nikki in New Hampshire or to Ron. I don't think it's going to Ron. I think that Nikki is actually, she knows she's still like ways away from Donald Trump. And according to Chris Christie, who was caught on a hot mic. Did you see this, guys? He was caught on a hot mic. He didn't know he was talking, and you know, he was about to go live. That's what we all dread, right? You're about to go live, and all of a sudden, the microphone's open, and you're just talking and talking. I mean, he didn't say anything really bad, but he said what we all know, and that she's, you know, she's going to get smoked. That was the direct quote. He's also kind of bitter that he didn't get more money. Let's play this one. Chris Christie on stage in Wyndham, New Hampshire, just last night, getting ready to announce it. He's out. And Nikki Haley's in trouble. You know. Yeah. Well, when you give land to China and places like that. Yeah, that's what you get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent 68 million so far, just on TV. Spent 68 million so far, 59 million by DeSantis, and we spent 12. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She hasn't even been. And she's still 20 points behind Trump in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's, gonna, he's still going to carry out, right? Yes. Oh, he's, I, t you know, I talked to De DeSantis called me, petrified that I would. He's probably getting out after Iowa. Well, he's. Mm, interesting stuff. Yeah.
he says she's going to get smoked. I, I think Chris Christie, for the first time, might actually be right. Did you hear what he said about return on investment? I thought that was kind of an interesting comment. He's talking about how Nikki Haley spent $68 million and he's only spent $12 million. And so how's that for a return on your investment? She's all over TV, right? They've got the TV ads, et cetera. That struck me as kind of just an odd way of phrasing it. Like, I get it. But in light of our concerns about big money and elites kind of rigging the system, when you talk about a return on your investment for a political candidate, I don't like the way that sounds. I'm just going to say I don't like the way it sounds. I don't like it, what it conjures up, if you would, because I think this is what a lot of Americans fear, that you, know, you get a handful of people controlling things on both sides and those people are the same people year in and year out that go to Davos, Switzerland and hang out with the, the richie riches over there, the big shindig in Switzerland. I mean, this is, this is, it's coming up. So I, I want to mention it. Davos is the big deal event. Happens every year during like the coldest time of year in Davos, Switzerland. And this is the World Economic Forum where you get the so-called elites and the smartest people in the world and the wealthiest people in the world all gathering to help set a global agenda, right, for the year. They want to set the agenda for businesses, for politicians, for state actors, etc. It's a place to be seen, and it's a place to see others, right? Like, if you're, if you're in the clique, you go to Davos. And there's a whole bunch of weird stuff. And as we get closer to Davos, I'll fill you in more because I've got some personal stories I can tell you. But they've got this whole badge thing, right? Like, this whole badge thing that just cracks me up because everybody's got a different color. This one means that, this one means that, and only so many people have this one. And there's this whole hierarchy over what color badge, I kid you not, whether you're allowed to go to certain discussions or certain cocktail parties or certain whatever, like based on the color of your badge, which is just kind of ironic because they're all about equity and inclusion. And then they're like, and we're going to exclude you, and we're going to exclude you, and we're going to exclude you because you don't have the right badge, because you don't have the right kind of access. That's Davos for you again. Well, as we get closer, I think it's happening around the 24th of the month. We can talk some more. But this year, they have a new theme. And I don't quite know what to think about it. So this is the theme. They're most worried right now about disease X. Disease X, which they say could be 20 times worse than COVID. So this is from their website. They say, with fresh warnings from the World Health Organization that an unknown disease X could result in 20 times more fatalities than the coronavirus pandemic, what novel efforts are needed to prepare the healthcare systems for the multiple challenges ahead? Huh. Interesting timing. I, I certainly hope we don't have something like a disease X coming our way. <laughs> Come 20, and, and you know what? Okay, guys, great. You know, let's let's think about preparations. Fine, but I'm curious. What, what do you guys think of that? Like, I'm just I'm throwing it out there. We can do a deeper dive on another day. But I want you to know that this is this is the agenda. That's that's the big focus. But in addition to that, they also came out with their list of sort of what worries them most about the future, and what the biggest concerns for the world over the next couple of years are. Number one, biggest concern for the elites, 
that go to Davos, Switzerland, where you got to have a certain color badge to participate in certain conversations. Number one, misinformation and disinformation. Two is extreme weather. Polarization in society comes in at number three. Cyber insecurity is number four. Interstate armed conflict, number five. Lack of economic opportunity is number six. Inflation, way down at number seven. (laughs) Involuntary migration is eight. Economic downturn is nine. And pollution is number 10. But misinformation and disinformation is number one. I understand that. Because, you know, I've I've seen a lot of misinformation over the last however many years. Of course, it's it's coming from one side. (laughs) So Elon Musk weighed in on this one. This is great. He had something to say. Uh, He tweeted out when he saw this, a little tweet that basically said, yeah, you know, by, quote, misinformation, World Economic Forum means anything that conflicts with its agenda. (laughs) So its agenda. So they have an agenda, and if you don't subscribe to that, if you don't believe in that agenda, if you are at odds with that agenda, then you're just misinformation. You're disinformation. We're done. I mean, think about how many things have happened just in the last couple of years. I mean, most recently, that Hunter Biden laptop, right, that they tried to convince us was nothing but Russian disinformation, spoon-fed to us courtesy of Rudy Giuliani. I'm sorry, but it turned out that laptop was real. Those pictures were real. And um, Hunter Biden was making a lot of money. Was he not? Somehow, some way, allegedly, off of his name and the access to the White House that he alone could provide because his dad at one point was vice president. And then there was, uh, whoa, the origin of COVID. Oh, I, I heard, I've told you guys this, back in February of 2020, I had heard through my sources that it had come from a lab in Wuhan, China. And just to be fair, what I had also heard was it was not deliberate. They just really screwed up because, you know, they don't have the same safety protocols, which might lead you to say, hmm, why, why wasn't there more oversight of this? Uh, it's another conversation for another day because Fauci is still in a whole lot of trouble surrounding some of that and those allegations coming by Senator Paul. Rand Paul. Anyway, so the origin of COVID, everybody said, no, 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 it's a, it was a wet market virus. And now what do you know? All those three-letter agencies, aside from the CIA, which was, remains divided on the topic, they've all said, yep, came from the Wuhan lab. And then there was the dossier, I do recall, and back in 2016, that was a reason to wiretap Donald Trump's campaign because there was this, quote, dossier, which former intelligence professionals were trying to sell us as totally, totally true. And they said he was basically, Donald Trump was, an arm of the Russian government, and he was just being put there. Heck, Jimmy Carter said he was not a legitimate president because he had been put there by the Russians, and they tied it all back to this infamous dossier, which turned out to be totally fake and just a bunch of Opposition research, which eventually was bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton's campaign. So go figure, right? You want to tell me that misinformation, disinformation is a threat? Yeah, you know what? I might actually agree with you on that because I've been confronting so much disinformation, so much misinformation over the last several years myself. But you know who it's coming from? It's actually not coming from Donald Trump. It's not coming from most conservative journalists I know. It's actually coming from the other side. Thank you very much.
I guess they, they just want to control the narrative so badly. They want to be in charge. They want their team in charge, and they're panicking because reality is this. You know what? Trump is winning and has been winning for 10 straight weeks, and he's winning in some of those swing states by a lot. Like the margin in some cases is like 10 points. The only one that's kind of neck and neck is Wisconsin right now. But when does that turn? It probably will turn. So they're terrified. They're terrified not just that he might win, but that they will no longer be able to control everything. Michelle Obama herself, who may actually wind up being top of the ticket, taken over potentially for Joe Biden, J.P. Morgan predicting that Joe Biden's going to have to leave because of health reasons. Interesting. So if she, uh, it's, it's, well, that'll be interesting, right? The whole thing will be interesting because she's going to be, I would say, formidable, but yet she's so unlikable. So maybe, maybe it doesn't work. I don't know. They're looking at it saying, we can't run this guy. And I get it. They can't. But she went on this little podcast the other day and she put it right out there. She needs to be able to control stuff. What do you do when you can't control it? You can't sleep at night. Watch. The things that yeah. keep me up because you, you don't have control over them. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit. It affects us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everybody's like talking about, oh, she's, she's worried about the, the threat to democracy, et cetera. And I would just say, you know what? I think she's worried about, again, this lack of control. And this is a theme. So they want to control over in Davos. They want to control there in the deep state of Washington, D.C. And that ultimately puts everyday Americans at, at quite a disadvantage. And they want to control, and they're going to hand select the winners and the losers in this game. And they've made it very, very clear who they believe needs to be the winners right now. Let me share with you. This came out from Johns Hopkins University. Listen, fantastic school, fabulous school, amazing medical school. Their their chief diversity officer came out with an email welcoming everybody back, right, for the new year and had a few things to say to all the faculty and to the community there which I found, like, pretty darn appalling. So the, the word of the year, she's making it like Davos, right, the theme of the year, it's privilege. It's, it's the month, forgive me. They have one every month. They're like a mini Davos. They're at John Tompkins. Privilege, she said, is a, a set of unearned benefits given to people who are in a specific social group. So get ready. Dantana, you think you're part of this? Let me, let me read you the list of these problem groups that get advantages and get ahead in life because they are dominant and they get ahead at the expense of every other group. In the United States, she writes, privilege is granted to people who have membership in one or more of these social identity groups. Listen up, listen up, see if you're part of this. White people. Oh, there goes me. (laughs) Able-bodied people. There I go again. (laughs) Heterosexuals. Oh, man, I'm like checking every category here. Heterosexuals. (laughs) Cisgender people. And you're like, wait, wait, what is that? Basically means you actually 
subscribe to this idea that women are women, men are men, and there's certain characteristics that often tend to accompany that. So you got me again. Oopsie, males. Oh, well. (laughs) Christians. I'm like failing this thing, right? Middle or owning class people. Oh my gosh. If you own your house, you're on the bad list. (laughs) Middle-aged people. Oh my goodness gracious. I mean, come on, lady. English-speaking people. Wow. Come on. Enough already, right? Like, enough. We need to get rid of this. She goes on, privilege is characteristically invisible to people who have it. People in dominant groups often believe that they have earned the privileges they enjoy and that everyone could have access to these privileges if only they worked to earn them. This is like a communist manifesto, ladies and gentlemen. You realize what's going on here. And by the way, they're hoarding all the money for themselves. I mean, these are great jobs. You're ahead of DEI. Did you see the study the day that came out, University of Michigan? We're spending, like, they're spending millions of dollars on this DEI stuff. Enough, by the way, if you got rid of all the bureaucrats like this lady, you could actually send something like almost 1,000 kids to the university free. No tuition. They wouldn't actually have to have all those student loans. It's amazing to me. It's utterly amazing. Like, more people need to speak up about all this I was going to use a, a bad word, but I won't. But that's exactly, this is, this is bad, bad, bad. Mm. All right, so, so the elites have their agenda, and they've got their club, and you can be part of that club if you subscribe to this. And guess what? You can earn a lot of money. Like, she's probably earning a couple hundred grand there. Sending out emails like that so that you can just keep apologizing and apologizing and apologizing. And yet, you know, simultaneously, for whatever reason, they can't quite recognize how hard it is for everyday Americans in that middle class that is supposedly privileged. And they don't get like why it is that people are saying, hang on, like you're bringing all these people here to our country. We can't afford them. There's a woman quoted in Chicago. She was so upset the other, the other month, like this was a few months ago. And she's like, wait a second, like, we have a lot of homeless people here in Chicago and they're not being taken care of. And yet you you give all these undocumented migrants who came here illegally, they get six months of a hotel stay and a cell phone and and meals. And what is going on? Like, why why are we doing that? It's a really good question, but because it's a political year and because Democrats have woken up to this idea that, you know, everyday Americans are not so fond of this. And by the way, this cuts across all demographics and colors. So now they're trying to rewrite the script. This was perfect. This is just unbelievable. I mean, I, I have to play you this because it's like they have amnesia. They, they say one thing, they do another. There's no truthfulness in any of this. And no member of the media holds them accountable, right? The media, the mainstream media is all part of this. I think this clip comes to us courtesy of MSNBC. It's Nancy Pelosi, who's like, talking crazy talk, because somehow she wants us to think that she's been all about the border and controlling the border in recent years. I don't think so. Watch. Uh, the, the president has put forth over $10 billion to uh, assist at the border. We've mm-hmm. always been for controlling our border, for securing the border. There's never been a question about that. 
Yeah. Yeah. You just keep telling yourself that, Nancy, just like Bidenomics is working, right? There's a theme. Lie, 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 lie. But we're in a different day and age. And we got things called tape, right? Like we can go back and watch all the sound bites of Nancy Pelosi telling us it's just so mean not to allow all these people to come here. And it's Texas's problem until, of course, they're shutting down New York City schools because they have to have some shelter for the undocumented migrants to stay. And parents at the Brooklyn schools are like, what the heck are you doing? This is a problem. And I don't know as they really intend to fix it, but they're going to try and make you think that they've been all over this. Even though we got 300,000 people coming into the country in the month of December alone, and those are just the people that they caught. But like I said, it's the theme, right? You just lie and lie and lie and lie. And maybe somebody starts to believe those lies. I don't think so. I think this is part of their entire problem. The difference today is you actually do have to tell the truth because information is readily available. Oops, that's a problem at Davos. All that information is readily available, which means it must be misinformation and disinformation. Look, numbers don't lie. And today we got none other than the latest month's inflation report. We saw that inflation was up more than expected and, frankly, up too much for my taste. The Federal Reserve would like to see it around 2%. We're coming in at 3.4%. That's what you are paying more, 3.4% more for your goods and services that you just paid the last year. But see how they spin it? I love this. U.S. inflation ticks higher but shows moderation. (laughs) Moderation? Look at this. And so they're they're really proud. If you look at this graph with me, and by the way, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, thank you. If you're not, make sure you subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I always forget to tell you guys to do this, but uh, I think the team will put up one of those little things to remind you throughout the show. We're going to keep doing that, right? And then the bell, make sure you hit the bell. But if you look at this, if you look at this graph and you look at how we were up upwards of 9% at one point, I mean, gosh, look at where, when Joe Biden came in, look at where we were. We had like almost flatlined on inflation. He comes in, woo, but of course that was multiple stimulus packages and he had to give everybody a check too because Trump did. So, you know, Biden wanted to reward the population and what did you get? Massive inflation. And so it was upwards of 9% and they're trying to say it's come down, but no, it has not come down since then. That graph is misleading because it was up over 9%, right? More than not, you were paying 9% more. And then the next year you were paying, oh, 6% more than you were the year before. And then you were paying 4% more than you were the year before. And now we're paying 3.4% more than we were. So, okay, like, you know, hopefully we're going back to that 2% range, but the, the train left the station. You understand? Like we've just been adding and adding and adding to our inflation challenges. And then you look at something called, I'm going to get granular with you here, core CPI. You know, I love this stuff. (laughs) I can wonk out for days. But anyway, core CPI, if you compare it with a year ago, guess what? Core prices are up 3.9%, which the New York Times would tell you is just great because it's lower than the 12-month gain of 4% recorded in November. But still, 3.9% 3.9% is pretty close to four. And I would say it's high. And the problem with core, and I don't care if it's core or if, or if it's just, uh, the, the, you know, if, if you're looking at the whole thing or if you're just looking at food and energy with being subtracted, either way, like 
food and energy prices are up and then everything else is up. That's what core reflects. So this is not a good number. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a good number. It doesn't surprise me. I don't think the Fed is out of the woods yet on inflation. I've said that all along. You know, Bidenomics is dead in the water. It doesn't work. And I don't know what they're thinking with, you know, the, the lady that I was just showing you earlier saying if you're middle class or if you own your house or if you own anything that you're part of this privileged group that, that is coming at the expense of others. I mean, look, the America I grew up in, there was a big belief that we were a meritocracy. If you worked hard, you could get ahead. Hey, why do you think everybody wants to come here? Duh. Because they know if they work hard that they have a shot at getting ahead. All those socialist systems down in Latin America and elsewhere in the world, they don't work. That's why they don't want to be there because they wind up poor. So yeah, everybody still wants to come here because of capitalism. Capitalism is a good thing. A meritocracy is a good thing. A meritocracy doesn't see color, actually. A meritocracy says, can you succeed? Are you the fastest one at the race? Unbelievable. I was going to digress into the fastest girl, the fastest boy at the race, but I'll, I'll leave that one alone too. I would say this. Inflation, it's here. And it's going to be really hard to unwind this thing. Charles Thorngren, who's the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals, one of the sponsors on the show, he was on the show the other day, and he's like, you know what? He, was, I, he, had, sent, uh, he had sent me this gold. Forgive me. No, not gold. Charles, you should send me a gold coin. It was a silver coin. And uh, it had Newt's face on it because Newt was like, you know, Newt and Clinton, they actually, to their credit, they balanced the budget. That's the last time we had a balanced budget. And so it's a, little, it's a silver dollar. And I, uh, I was talking to him about it. He said, listen, you know what? I would put Jerome Powell's face on one of these coins if he could figure out a way. If he could figure out a way to balance uh, this out and actually give us a soft landing. I don't think it's going to be a soft landing. I think inflation probably is, is there for the long haul. But uh, so long as I mentioned, Charles, remember, if you're interested in investing in gold or silver, you can call them at one 589 560 one is the website. And inflation is probably going to stay with us for the foreseeable future and if the Fed is lucky, it can get it to 2%. But I don't know as they are that incredibly talented. Hey, listen, I hope they are. I really, really do hope they are. <laughs> it would be a great thing if they were. Donald Trump has picked his vice president, guys. He knows exactly who he wants. It's all in the works. And he let it leak on Fox. But not entirely. Just, just listen to what he said. There's a few little hints there, like little, little breadcrumbs he's leaving. We're going to talk about who it really might be. I, I have a feeling I, I have a, some intel on this. Let's watch. Who would be in the running for vice president? Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you. We'll do another show sometime. Well, what about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with oh, any sure, of them? Oh, sure, I will. I will. I've already started like Christy better. Nikki Haley? Nikki Haley? What do you guys think? Yeah, yes, no? Maybe? You know, it was interesting at the debate. Nikki and Ron didn't really attack each other. I mean, forgive me, didn't attack Trump. They just attacked each other. So maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, Tucker has been talked about. Melania Trump apparently has been uh, positive on that idea 
By the way, my, my heart goes out to Melania Trump right now. She's going through a really, really difficult time. You may have seen her mother just passed away at the age of 78. She tweeted this out the other day. It's with deep sadness that I announced the passing of my beloved mother. And she talks about her strength. She was a strong woman who always carried herself with grace, warmth, and dignity. She was entirely devoted to her husband, daughters, grandson, and son-in-law. We will miss her beyond measure and continue to honor and love her legacy. There were a lot of questions around Christmas time because Melania was not in the Christmas picture with the family. And the reason was she was with her mother, who was so ill at the time. One of the reasons I suspect Donald Trump was so angry, so angry when he was in that courtroom today is because of the stress that his family has been under. Do you know that the judge would not move today's court appearance? He wanted to to make arrangements to be at the funeral for his mother-in-law. And the judge is like, yeah, no way. I mean... Think about that. Like, have we lost all sense of humanity? That's what that strikes me as. That that Trump can't be there for his wife, for the mother, for the father-in-law, by the way, who just lost his wife in in a serious, serious time of need. Because the judge is like, nope, 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 we got to keep this thing going. I think this explains. Let's go back. I started the show. If you're just joining us right now, again, the live edition of the Trish Regan show, I started the show showing you first how he felt before he went in. And then he was, if you ask me, even more mad. By the time he left, he had just addressed the judge. He was furious. The judge apparently said to the lawyers, control your client, control your client. But think about this, guys. Think about how he must feel right now, knowing that like this whole thing is kind of sort of ridiculous in that it's this weird case and they're trying to effectively put him out of business and shut him down and get him out of, you know, was it going to be a fire sale in New York City? A fire sale in New York City because you're going to sell all your buildings and pay a $370 million fine, which may have just gone up. I'm guessing like 500 is the next number after today's episode. But they won't even let him go and and make arrangements for his mother-in-law's funeral. That's how inhumane we are becoming. Let's roll this tape. I don't know if you can hear me because they don't allow mics, but this is a political witch hunt, the likes of which nobody's ever seen before. They owe me damages for what they've done. We have a great company. We're a very innocent company. We did everything right. They have no witness against us other than Michael Cohen, who's a discredited felon. They have no witnesses against us whatsoever. They don't have one piece of paper. What we've run is a great company, and that's been proven. Very highly successful company. This was a political witch hunt for election interference, but also for getting somebody elected because you wanted to get the publicity. It's a disgrace, and they should pay me damages. That's the way it should be. They should be paying me damages. This is a disgraceful situation. This is why businesses are fleeing New York like Exxon. Millions and millions of dollars a year in taxes, and I paid millions and millions of dollars a year. We paid approximately $300 million over a fairly short period of time, and they don't want me to pay it anymore. This is a very serious problem because companies are fleeing New York. They ought to focus on the crime, violent crime in the city, one of the reasons they're fleeing. The other reason they flee is because of attorney generals like this that just want to get elected. Thank you very much. It's been wow. I mean, he was really, 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 that was.
just as they were breaking there for lunch. And he, he sort of, he, he dressed down the judge, told him exactly what he thought, exactly what he thought about Letitia James as well, and then hightailed it out of there. And he, he's not happy. But again, think about all that's happening right now, the personal stress that his wife certainly is under. And I would imagine if you care anything about your wife, by the way, the mother-in-law lived with them. A lot of people don't know that because her parents were really under the radar, but they, they were there at the white house with them helping to raise their son, Baron. So it's a tough time and you can't even get a day off to, to attend the funeral or to, to help with the funeral. It's really pretty remarkable, but they hate him and they're not going to stop hating him. And the media is, wow, like in concert, like I've never quite seen before, leading the charge out in front, none other than your favorite person in the world, right? Don't worry, she's going to be gone soon, I'll explain. Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg on The View had this to say today, listen. I'm going to be on day one, I'm going to be a dictator. Who says it to you, tells you, I'm going to put you people away. I'm going to take all the journalists. I'm going to take all the gay folks. I'm going to move you all around and disappear you. If that's the country you want, you know who to vote for. If that's not, if that's not the country you want, you have to make a decision. So you're going to hear a lot of it, right? You know, I've played you some montages and some sort of mashups, as we call them, of the media continuing on with that theme. But they're, they're going to take all the... I mean, they, they, I do believe it was an anchor on MSNBC that talked about how <laughs> it was like won the day, how Trump was going to execute people. I mean, they're really, they're going full on war. This is a political war and they can not allow him. They just can't allow him right to win. It's, it's just not okay. I mean, I, I, I think we have this. I, it's my, you, you might as well feel it, right? You just saw Whoopi. So let's see sort of what's going on overall, if you would. Over and over and over again, this is all they have to say. All they have to say is Trump is bad. It's the end of the world if he gets elected. Watch. Every one of us, our freedom, our liberty, none of us is safe. He's going to have people around him executing against an enemy's list. Assassinate generals ordering troops uh, to um, attack American citizens. Trump's very well-armed and extremist base will try to kill people. He's going to basically burn the house down. He will unravel the institutions of our democracy. Draw similarities between Mussolini and Hitler. Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini. Makes Donald Trump even more dangerous. He wants to take away your vote. Senate and the House are immediately going to be paralyzed. People will begin in their minds to censor themselves. They might say, well, maybe I shouldn't say this. This is the end of democracy. Yeah. I think, I think that, that could be the end of our democracy. But democracy is dead if Trump is reelected. It's, it's, it's the, the end of democracy will be it, It's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. <laughs> I mean, wow. The question is, do people believe it? I mean, I don't think it's a winning strategy. I really don't because I think people are like, yeah, you've been saying that for a while. And I still look back on those four years and other than us being more divided because of where you went with things, we were doing okay. So Whoopi Goldberg, I told you I'd have some good news here, right? I don't think she's going to be there much longer. And I say this as a financial journalist who knows that Disney has no choice but to sell its stake at some point 
in ABC News. And, and we know this because, well, there was a little interview that happened with Bob Iger, who's now the CEO of Disney again. He's struggling. Like, I mean, look at that stock price in the, since 2021. The company's basically been cut in half. And they've just had a series of total misses, losing so much money on their streaming service. That's supposed to be the future, right? Like we're streaming. It is the future. You're here with me. It's a live show. I'm going to get to your comments and stuff. We'll talk in just a bit. But like this is, this is the future. And so Disney ought to be able to, to do okay, but they're not producing enough content that people actually want to watch because they're not connected enough with the actual consumer. It actually came up in their annual report and they flagged it. They cited it. They're like, yeah, yeah, okay, we get it. Like we have these views on this, that, and the other. And our views are not in sync with where our consumers are. So they have a set of problems out in front of them that they're going to have to figure out. And they can't keep wasting money like the 300 and some odd million dollars that they're allegedly spending on the Snow White that now just got postponed I mean, they're just losing money left and right. And so they've got to find a way to diversify into the future to create better content. That might help. But to to get rid of some of these assets like The View, owned by ABC News. And Bob Iger said it. Like, here he is out in Sun Valley on a network I used to work for, CNBC, doing an interview with Faber. And he's selling it. Listen. Transformative work is dealing with businesses that are no growth businesses and what to do about them, and particularly the linear business, which we are expansive in our thinking about, and we're going to look expansively about opportunities there because clearly it's a business that is going to continue to struggle. Well, let's stop there for a second then and just and let me ask you about it. Um, we're talking, I guess, ABC, the network, the, the stations, but then the cable networks as well. Yes, correct. FX, uh, Nat Geo. Is it possible you would look to sell them? We're going to be expensive. I think if you can, you can interpret what that word means. Yes, the answer is yes. So it's been reported that Disney has already been talking about selling ABC, the network, you know, the old-fashioned network, to Nexstar. So that's one potential opportunity. I don't know if that deal is going to happen, but there's others out there, and somebody will buy it because somebody will say, okay, well, you know what? I can just kind of run this as a profitable enough business and it'll be okay. Like, I don't have to have a bunch of people with really big salaries here. It's kind of like Fox News is going, whoo, we don't have to pay Tucker Carlson anymore, all that money for all those other people that we had making all that money. We don't have to pay them that anymore. And I feel, you know, like we can run our business more profitably. That's exactly what ABC is going to have to do. You've already seen the networks kind of do that. Right? Like the gone are the days of the superstar network news anchor that was kind of taken over by cable and now cable's been taken over by what do you know right here don's looking at our subscriber base yeah you know we're we're plugging along we're plugging along every single day please remember everybody subscribe 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 share like make comments it's really important we also by the way have a, a a little crew of us that are members so you're welcome to join that as well we just started it here on youtube the uh what do we call ourselves? Like we were making fun of Taylor Swift the other day and being that she's a Swifty or her, her, her folks are Swifties, we're Tristies. Or as Don likes to say, one of our, our loyal, loyal viewers here, Reaganites in honor of Reagan, but you know, different spelling, not related, too bad. Point is, Whoopi is going to be done 
because ABC is going to be sold and whoever buys it, probably some kind of private equity business is going to come in and they're going to say, okay, we need to trim costs. Who's going to go? All those big salaries. So Whoopi won't be on The View much longer. Not that you watch The View anyway. I mean, who does? The only time I ever see The View is when I, I see little clips on X, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> True, truly, truly. But I'm always shocked and stunned and I have to play them for you because it's important, you know, it's important, you know, what the other side is saying, look, this industry is changing a lot and ABC is up against it. Disney's up against it, obviously continuing to lose money. And I don't know if they can, I don't know if they can work their way through it. I really don't. I think that the, the sort of personnel that works there has a viewpoint on the world that they're so committed to, they can't quite get back to making money, right? Why would you want to make money? I mean, that's not what they're teaching you to do in college anymore. You saw the Johns Hopkins lady and what she was saying, you don't want to make money because then you're part of that middle-class establishment that's all about privilege. You're the enemy if you make money. So now you get these kids coming out of college and they're going to work at Disney and they're like, oh, we don't care about money. We don't care if Disney actually makes money or not. We care about our agenda. And so the more you push that agenda and you don't care about profits, well, you, you're setting yourself up for quite a problem in the future. And then there's this problem, little problem for Disney. So ESPN, which Bob Iger is reportedly also trying to sell because it's a traditional TV network. ESPN is in hot water. There's this story that came out, the New York Times reported on, I don't where I first saw it, but this is actually from one of their, their joint ventures there, The Athletic. ESPN had to return 37 Emmy statuettes after a probe found that the network had used fake names to give awards to on-air talent. Huh? What? Really? Like, wow, and why? So I don't fully get this. Maybe you guys do, and I'll do a little more due diligence, but let me quote from the Athletics article here, and I'll share with you what the allegations are. Um, <laughs> the Athletic, which uncovered this story, and is kind of, you know, like a really well-known, it's become a really well-known, and like I said, got bought by the New York Times publication in the sports industry. They came out with a whole series of things that they were alleging in, in these complaints. And now, as I said, like what happened? ESPN actually turned back the, the awards. So all of these people, I guess, were like listed, they're fake personalities. And they were similar to the on-air personality names. They reportedly identical initials. So they were listed under the title of associate producers on all these various things. So they, they had all these names, like Kirk Henry, which is really Kirk Herbstreet, and then there's Lee Clark, which was Lee Corso, and Dirk Howard, which is Desmond Howard, and Tim Richard, which is Tom Rinaldi, blah, blah, blah. So 37 of them. 37 of them because they, I guess they wanted to have more trophies to give out at work. I'm going to quote from the athletic here. They said, when asked why people at the network would scheme to secure trophies for on-air talent, one person involved in the ESPN Emmy submission process in recent years said, and I quote, you have to remember that those personalities are so important and they have egos. The article continues from The Athletic. Smith, for one, pushed back at that and remarked at how some executives lined their office shelves with statuettes. One executive interviewed by ESPN's probe 
said that they that some company leaders were obsessed with the Emmys, using the number of wins each year to prove their dominance over competitors. Oh my gosh, what a bunch of losers. Seriously, like complete total losers. Who are these people? I mean, who the heck cares about your stupid little statuette? You know what? I have so many awards and I kid you not, they are buried in my basement somewhere in a box because I don't care. My kids are like, where's your 100,000 award? I guess like you get that on YouTube. I don't know. Like, have they sent it to me yet? Am I supposed to apply for it? Do I need a plaque? Seriously, do I need a plaque? The answer to that is no. I don't need a trophy. I don't need a statue. Hopefully I'm not that insecure that I got to throw all my statues behind me and, and, and prove to you, oh, I'm a good journalist. You know what? I've been multi, uh, multiple times nominated for an Emmy. So there you go, all right? And I've won tons of other awards. Not that that's ever reflected on Wikipedia. Whole other conversation. I'm, I'm in, uh, in sympathy with Elon Musk on that one. But yes, I've won a lot of awards. I don't care. Like, it's not what would define you, right, as an individual. But apparently, the talent over at ESPN, this explains a lot, like a lot. The talent and the producers went so far as to have fake names so that they could, I was trying to figure the story out. I'm like, wait, I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, they just wanted the trinkets. They just wanted these little trinkets because they're all losers who are clearly insecure idiots. And now ESPN has another scandal on its hands. They have to give back their little statuettes. How do you like that? You know, sell the network, Bob, get rid of it. Start over. Streaming is the future. If Disney could just figure out how to create decent content, it could be a real home run. But don't hold your breath, right? Do not hold your breath on Disney's ability to do that, as I explained. You know what? That ship is kind of sailed. Poor Walt. Can you imagine what he would think right now with everything? I mean, look at the Snow White thing I told you. I mean, my goodness. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. They decide to do a remake of it. And they're so twisted and, and tied in knots that they're like, okay, let's hire a consulting firm to figure out how we deal with the Seven Dwarfs because we don't want to insult anybody. And so they dealt with it by, I guess, having only one person of short stature. That's how they dealt with it. And so what did they do? They insulted people. They insulted the entire short stature community. We man led the charge on that one. He's like, this isn't right. You know, like we wait for jobs like this and now they're taking them away all in the name of being more equitable and being more fair. I mean, you just, you can't make this stuff up. This is a company that really, really has lost its way. And I kind of feel bad for it because you know what? I used to like Disney. We used to go there every year as a kid. It was like a pilgrimage. Like I loved it so much as an adult that when my twins were like six months old, I was like, we're going to Disney. Clearly they can't, can't like appreciate Disney, right? <laughs> I think six months old, but like, I loved Disney World. I absolutely like, it was my favorite place in the world. And so I was a huge, huge Disney fan. So much, I mean, like, I was like ready to buy the timeshare. Okay. Like I was all in and I look at it today and I'm like, what has happened? And so that company's future is going to be very limited by the ideology that's so out of sync I think with, with the rest of the country, that is indeed the truth. Let me turn now to back to politics because Donald Trump uh, has been weighing in on some of these, these big uh, stories 
and it kind of has a, a thought or two on the market environment. I, I want to get to that because uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite interesting, and you might have a point here. But before I do, before I do, I have a very special thing here. You know this is a live show because I'm walking offset to get myself some water. Next time I'll remember to bring more. Um, but it, you know this is a live show in part because of that, but also because, uh, well, I'm here live with you, and I'm going to talk to you in just one second. I've been seeing all your comments that come in, so thank you for that. But if you have not already subscribed to this podcast, I'd really appreciate that you do that for me. Subscribe to the channel. We are live here daily on YouTube as well as Facebook and Rumble. YouTube has become kind of a go-to platform for us. Um, So the other place I really would like you to go is Spotify and to Apple and to Google Podcasts, like anywhere you get your podcasts, and sign up to make sure that you get this delivered to you every single day. It, I, it would mean a lot to me, and it's actually really important in terms of the algorithms that you do that. So it, it's all free, and I would love to have you there. While you're there, I, I just want to mention, we're talking about Disney, we're talking about the importance of entertainment and understanding your audience. I just want to mention another podcast that has nothing to do with politics and nothing to do with news, but it's just really cool and really interesting, and it's called Our American Stories. So look for that when you're there too, if you would. Our American Stories. It's all kinds of really fascinating stories and anecdotes about America's past and America's present. I mean, you've got the arts world, you've got the sports world, you've got business, all kinds of history. I was a history major. And so I just, I eat this stuff up, right? Like I love it. I love hearing about Henry Ford and how the Model T came to be. I love hearing about Abraham Lincoln and the last day he was alive, like all kinds of fascinating things everyday things, business, success stories. Listen, like this is what makes us unique. This is what makes us special. This is what makes us American, right? And, and I love being able to appreciate and hear that perspective. And it, it kind of helps, like given the, the horror out there, all the bad stuff. So sometimes you just want a little relief. Go to Our American Stories, the podcast itself. Go over to Apple, go to Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast, really. And Make sure you sign up for me. <laughs> Make sure you go check out. Uh, some of my friends are, are over there and run it. And it's just, it's really great. You get like three or four stories. They're super inspiring. And I, I need that. Like, I, I like being inspired. And like I said, I'm, I'm just such a history buff. So you'll like it. I can promise you, you will like it. And I encourage you to check it out. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's rather remarkable that we're in such a a devastatingly challenged situation. And yet, what I would remind you of, what I would remind you of is that it's not unusual that we're in this place right now. I mean, if you think about the agenda that this particular administration has had and the lack of policy chops at their disposal and the sort of incompetence that's there I get it. I mean, I really, really do get it. I think incompetence is a big part of it. I actually think some of it's deliberate, but some of it's just purely that these people can't get out of their own way. And so Joe Biden is not good at his job. Anthony Blinken, if you ask me, he's not good at his job. I don't think that we would be having some of the challenges that we have right now if we had a smarter, better Secretary of State. I mean, I I know it's hard, but for whatever reason, this B team is not figuring out. They're not doing a good job. And it's, it's a lot of incompetence, something that Donald Trump actually highlighted most recently in a speech. So he's like, wait a second, you know what? You guys, you guys, you keep wanting to say that 
I'm the problem. I'm going to destroy the country. I'm going to ruin America, blah, blah, blah. Well, have you ever thought of just, if you're really bad at your job, you really stink, that you might be ruining the country too? I thought this was kind of an insightful point. You know, you can say it's deliberate. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But without a doubt, these people are utterly, completely, totally incompetent. Watch Trump. You know, this guy goes around and says, I'm a threat to democracy. No, he's a threat because he's incompetent. He's a threat to democracy. You know, you can be grossly incompetent and be a threat to democracy because he's got us into wars. We're in wars now. You look at the Middle East. Look at what happened in Ukraine. That would have never happened. These things would have never happened. Inflation would have never happened. Attack on Israel would never happen. The attack on Ukraine would never have. All these things would never have happened. Millions of people would be alive right now. Millions of people. Yeah, it's it's a point. It's a point worth thinking about. So whether you're of the mindset that they're deliberately doing this because, you know, they want to make all this money. There's an interesting story in the New York Times today. I'm going to I'm going to look into it a little bit more. But the allegation is basically that a billion dollars has gone missing. America cannot account for a billion dollars worth of taxpayer money that has been going to Ukraine. And this is according to the Pentagon, right? So this is Joe Biden's Pentagon. And they're actually coming out and saying, yeah, we can't find a billion dollars. It's just MIA. So is that deliberate? Is this the sort of, you know, like the allegations against Hunter Biden? And, you know, they've got, you know, sort of people that are getting paid off or, you know, some kind of corruption going on. Is it that or is it Is it incompetence or is it a mixture of both? Don't forget what Barack Obama reportedly said. There's a great great quote of him apparently saying, don't underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. So it could just be that the guy's a complete idiot and not smart and not able to manage his team. I mean, I look at it and go, for goodness sakes, I mean, for goodness sakes, come on. Like, how is it that that your defense secretary goes MIA, like AWOL, and doesn't doesn't tell anyone? And and you don't even notice, Joe Biden. You don't even notice because you're incompetent. There's some kind of investigation going on now about all of that, as there should be. I mean, this is is messed up stuff. But Donald Trump thinks he's going to get the nomination. And I guess as long as the courts don't prevent him from getting it, or as long as the big money doesn't pull something wacky. I don't think they can. I actually think that like money doesn't even matter anymore. People are so fed up, right? It just doesn't matter. Donald Trump believes that the market has been going up in recent months. Don't forget, like we had a good end of year, up 24% for the last year. And Last couple of days have been okay. Actually, the market just closed out the day. I should point this out. And we've got a market that was really sort of trading sideways a bit, but the Dow ended up just barely higher, basically flatlined, and then the SP 500 barely lower. It's because people don't really know how to react to this inflation issue, frankly. They were kind of thinking, inflation's tame enough, and the Fed is maybe going to give us another rate cut before the election, but maybe, maybe not, right, under the circumstances. But Donald Trump thinks that the market's been going up because the market is betting on more stability in the world because he is going to be the next president of the United States of America. Again, making history. Again, I want you to hear him 
here speaking on the Fox News town hall where, where he said this. He said that there's a reason people are feeling more confident about the stock market, even with the economy being in the doldrums. On an economic shutdown, you said this week in an interview uh, that if there's an economic crash, that you hope it happens now, yeah. that you don't want to be Herbert Hoover. I don't want to be but Herbert you're not, Hoover. You're not saying you're hoping for a crash, just to be clear. No, I think this. I think the economy is horrible, except the stock market's going up. And I think the stock market's going up because I'm leading Biden in all of the polls, every poll, every single poll for the last... With states that normally are not easy to lead. You know, when you're leading in Pennsylvania, you're leading in Michigan, you're leading in uh, Wisconsin, we're leading in virtually every state and of the swing states. And overall, we're leading by a lot nationwide. But I would say this, uh, we have a situation which I believe the stock market goes up because I'm leading. I think if I wasn't leading, the stock market would be 25% lower. And I think, frankly, if... I didn't win. I think the stock market would crash. Yeah, I but you said the when stock- there's a crash, I hope it's going to be during this next 12 months because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. Well, I think there will be a crash if I don't win. And I say that, and I do not want to be Herbert Hoover. Do you know who Herbert Hoover was? 1929, he was the president, and that was not a good time to be. I don't want to be Herbert Hoover, and I won't be Herbert Hoover. So with Re- <laughs> Herbert Hoover... I, again, I'm a history buff. I also used to listen to the Annie 8-track when I was a kid. There's a whole song in there. We'd like to thank you, Herbert Hoover, because basically Herbert Hoover was there when times were good and then the market crashed, right? And, and he kind of oversaw that. A lot of people blamed him for it. And then FDR came in. The market still crashed. Like, we didn't get out of that. Great book on this by Amity Schley's who wrote about the forgotten man because the, the policies were so absolutely positively lousy, just lousy guys <laughs> during FDR's time. And it was giveaways. And it really wasn't actually until sadly, you know, you wound up back in war, World War II, where America, by the way, we, I'll tell you, you know, thank God for America. Thank God we were willing to put ourselves out there. Cause you know, we would probably all be speaking German or something if we weren't today. I mean, people forget. They hit on our country over and over and over again. And Europeans do this as well. And I'll tell you, like, America's a great place. And it always has been. And I sure as heck hope it always will be. We're a unique place, a wonderful, wonderful place. Anyway, Herbert Hoover, he got bounced out, right? Because, you know, the economy was a mess. And there was a stock market crash, et cetera, et cetera. And FDR, it took him forever to actually improve things. Eventually, 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 things turned around. And unfortunately, it was because of other circumstances. But I'll tell you, ever since then, we've been in charge, right? We have been the hegemonic power of the world. And with that goes a certain responsibility in terms of hopefully being able to kind of keep and ensure some form of world peace, which means you got to have better diplomats, better people than Biden and Blinken out there. And you got to prevent things like what we saw going on in Ukraine. I mean, just unbelievable, and Russia. So let me turn to this, because as I talk about Donald Trump and why he believes the market's going up, Jamie Dimon, who runs the biggest bank, I believe it's the biggest bank, J.P. Morgan, uh, Jamie Dimon, he can't, he's like a straight shooter, I got to say that. Like, he's, he's a pretty good guy. I, I've known him for many years. I've interviewed him. He was on with Maria Bartiromo, my former colleague, great woman, by the way, just a really, really phenomenal person, 
You can't say that a lot about people in either media or finance. So two plugs for Jamie and Maria. And, and Jamie went on with Maria and he actually said, you know what? Donald Trump's policies, they were really good. He's going out on a limb, guys. He's going out on a limb, I promise you, when he says this, because the financial community really doesn't like Donald Trump. And so I saw this, I was like, wow, like I, I'm, I'm amazed that Jamie just, I mean, and it's true. They were good policies. Come on, credit where credit's due. I wish the media, the regular media could actually figure this out. Let's look at Jamie Dimon here with Maria. You said, well, I would like to be president, but I would like to be anointed and, and not campaign exactly. because I couldn't, I couldn't win if I was campaigning. Exactly. Tell us more, Jamie. There's no, there's no more to tell you. I, if you anointed me, I'd be happy to do the job. <laughs> I think I'd probably do a pretty good job. If I was president, I would have a cabinet of Republicans and Democrats. And I, would, and, and I think we should stop insulting the other side, including MAGA. I'm I've mentioned publicly many times that a lot of people are voting for President Trump, not because they believe in his family values, but they look at some of the things he did. He grew the economy. Uh, he was right about NATO, that they should spend more money. He was right about pointing out about China. Uh, you know, he was right about that. You know, some regulations do not cause positive output. So that's why they're voting for him. And I think the Democrats should be a little more thoughtful when they talk about MAGA and say, why? Not not like and then not, don't act like every attribute of Trump is an attribute of them. It's just not true. Thank you for saying that, right? Like somebody's going to actually stand up and call this stuff out. And so, like I said, it's a little risky for him because he runs a big bank. He's heading to Davos soon, right? And to get up there and actually say that and to try and say that, you know, half the country does actually matter and their opinion actually matters. And, and they're not horrible people because they voted for Donald Trump. There's an effort to dismiss half the country. It's like the deplorables all, deplorables all over again, right? Those horrible, awful people. No, oh, like Americans are good people, hardworking people that aspire to have a, a better life for themselves and their children and want this country to be a good, prosperous, and safe place. It, it, it's all their way. I mean, Joe Biden down at a, a church, for goodness sakes, in South Carolina, a very specific church, unfortunately, a church that was the site of a horrific massacre. It happened, by the way, under not Donald Trump's presidency, but under, of course, <clears throat> Barack Obama. But he goes down to this church, and it's like, okay, God is okay, church is okay, <laughs> as long as it's a black church in South Carolina, but like every other church, like the evangelicals, oh my goodness, the evangelicals, everybody's all upset because the evangelicals in Iowa are voting for Trump. I, I don't get this utter hatred of anyone who thinks differently than you? Do you think I hate people that vote for Biden or vote for or voted for Brock? No, like, don't be silly. Like, I may not agree with them. I don't hate. I wouldn't feel that strongly. But then again, I'm not the one who collects all my trophies and then submits false documentation to get 37 of them so I can hand them out to my friends and show off in my office, right? Like, what is wrong with the character of these people? I don't hate them. I think they're misguided. I think they're uninformed. And I think that's disappointing. I, I don't like that they're using that kind of vitriol and that kind of hate against all of us. And they'll continue to use it against you. And that's why Donald Trump continues to resonate 
That's why when Letitia James tries to fine him $370 million and kick him out of the state of New York, the American public sits up, notices, and says, no, not in my country. Thank you very much. And so as much as they try and keep him down, all of the methodology that they are using to do this actually backfires, spectacularly backfires. And they are too darn stupid, yeah, to figure it out. I mean, again, this is the same crowd that, like, submits phony stuff so they can get their freaking awards. I just love that story. My gosh, I still don't totally get it. I really don't totally get it because I I just can't imagine anybody doing something so, so, so idiotic. Let's go out to the live comments right now. Thank you so much for joining me. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure I want to see what you guys have to say about all of this stuff right now. Again, I always appreciate you being here. It's really just tremendous to see how much we've grown. This is the future. Maybe Disney will figure it out one day. Anyway, uh, Don, interesting point. He's like trying to figure out the algorithms for us. He's like, if Trish stays on for a bit, we might actually get to a thousand likes. So if you are just tuning in right now, make sure you like it, not just for me, but clearly for Don, thank you so much. I'm seeing Dan, Leslie, Ian, good to have all you guys here. I do, do really appreciate all of the support that you guys have given me. I just really have. Michael, Don, I saw something that you put on a, a comment last night. It, it had me laughing. It was late. It was late. You, you were commenting on one of the stories and I got, I, I got a kick out of it. Oh, you were asking me about chowder, I think. You are asking me about Massachusetts and chowder. And I'm going to tell you, this is how you know I'm a New Englander. Fish chowder. That's where you asked me where the best chowder was. I like fish chowder, not clam chowder. And I would say Newix. Mm-hmm. Newix in Hampton, New Hampshire. Durham. I think they have one in Durham as well. Or they used to have one in Durham as well. But anyway, it, it, it's good to, to see this kind of commitment from all of you guys. I, I, I do want to say how much I, I appreciate it. And I do see all your notes and I read your comments. And so even if I don't respond, just know that I, I do see them. So keep it coming. Keep it coming. And let's try to get it with 1,000 likes, okay? So like it, like it, like it, like it. And uh, as I said, really interesting to have your perspective and to see your perspective on that. I really, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, Michael Donald's been watching the debt clock. $34.64 trillion worth of debt. Unbelievable. Abel, good to have you here. I can't believe this. Wow, we might actually get 1,000 likes here. 957. So we need to actually rally the troops, so to speak, share this, share this and share it again, because that's how we get the word out. This is all organic. This is all just me here with you in a totally different environment without all the bells and whistles, but just, I think really genuinely coming to you in ways that that we didn't have the opportunity to do before, frankly. I mean, I, I would get some of your messages on Twitter and I would see that, but this is a much more intimate kind of experience. And I love that. Anyway, Daryl, thank you so much. It's really nice. And, and Robert, good to see you. It's, it's a great show today. It is a great show, but we have a lot to talk about. I mean, a lot to talk about. I, I, I just can't believe what is happening right now in our country. And I, I, I'm so disappointed they, they they keep telling us that he's going to take over and he's going to make it you know so a lot of you guys point this out well, we're not really a democracy we're it's kind of a a wrong term and i get it that's that's a fair point but i would just say that they're trying to spell the the end of america if you vote for him and that's a really dramatic path to go down like you better actually mean that before you say it but they they don't they 
they say whatever they think is going to work at the time. And so we've deteriorated to that kind of point, but it's not just rhetoric, right? Like it's one thing if it was just rhetoric, but they're actually going after him and trying to actually bankrupt him or I don't know, like maybe, maybe he can withstand a $370 million fine, but take over all his buildings. This really does strike me as a kind of socialism on steroids. And so you look at it and say, well, if they're going to do that to him, could they do it to me? Woohoo! You guys made it to a thousand. One K likes. This is, my, this is probably like my best live ever. So thank you. You, you are awesome. And, and Don's like doing a, a happy dance. Thank you guys. I, I really appreciate it. Charles. Very nice to see you here. Good to have all of you. Dan, Welcome back. As I said, I'm not angry. You know I'm not angry. Dan's making the point that I'm hopeful I'm not angry. And I think that's the way we have to stay. They want us to be angry. They want us to stay home and not go and vote. And I'll tell you, that's not the, the conservative population I know. And by the way, I say conservative. I don't mean to even define any of us or you that way because I look at it and say, hey, it doesn't matter. Look at all the Democrats, right, that, that came over. You have, you have a lot of people that historically had voted for Democrats, and they were like, I'm done. I don't like the system. I don't like how they're abusing the middle class that has built this country into what it is. And so they've come over. And listen, we need to expand. We need to grow. We need to bring everybody in. We need to stay optimistic. And we need to vote. Good to see you guys all. Yes, a thousand. Thank you for all your help with that. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one.